a code red for humanity, curb emissions and dramatically reduce consumption or face a world that is fundamentally different. When Kermit the Frog sang, it's not easy being green. I want you to know that he was wrong. He was wrong. There is no planet B. There is no planet blah. Blah, 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 blah. It is unequivocal that human activities are responsible for climate change. If unprecedented changes are not made and made soon, there will be irreversible damage to the planet. Zero carbon. East tall. Hello and welcome to Zero Carbonista Series 3, The Sky's the Limit. I'm Ian Collins. And for those who don't know, this podcast is fast becoming the UK's go-to residence for all matters connected to the biggest agenda on the planet right now, the environment. The man in the electric driving seat is the green entrepreneur, Dale Vince. Hi, Dale. Yeah, evening, Ian. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. Good. Um, we're here at an unusual time, aren't we? End of the day instead of the start of the day. Yeah, I know. So I know. It's dark out there. It reminds me, whenever it gets dark, it was reminds me when you were at school and it got dark. There's a defined feeling to that, isn't it? Football season had started, the nights are drawing in, you know Christmas is around the corner. <laughs> Don't start about Christmas. Oh, no. We did this last year, didn't we? <laughs> I'm not sure. Dale's happens Grinch every Christmas. Year. Bloody yeah. Christmas happens every year. Come on. <laughs> well, in the coming weeks, we'll try and get a Christmas reference into every uh, every episode. If, oh, if, if thank we you. Can. Well, we need some Yuletide joy because I was just looking at this, um, at this story to kick us off with about the UK being nowhere near meeting the COP26 targets. Uh, for the uninitiated, you were there, of course. Uh, COP, you stayed, unlike politicians, you stayed for most of it. And it's interesting that looking at official advisors who are now saying that we're nowhere near meeting those emission targets. Yeah, and I think that's not news, actually. I think uh, the CCC, the Climate Change Committee, have said this before. They said it before COP. We went into COP with one set of targets. We came out with some better ones better in terms of the environment, but obviously harder to hit. So it's no surprise that we're nowhere near hitting them because we weren't going to hit the old ones. So, you know, what's up, guys? And the CCC are now say, talking about two degrees being, uh, a, you know, a kind of an ambition for us yeah. as a country. But, of course, yeah. two degrees, according to the scientific consensus, is a very dangerous place to be. So it's, it's terribly complacent for the government's advisors to be saying, well, let's shoot for two degrees, guys. You know, maybe we can make it. Yeah, I mean, the committee says that the, the current rates, the UK will be contributing to a disastrous temperature rise of 2.7. Yeah. I mean, it's just like, hang on, could, you, could it possibly go further the other way if it tried? Yeah, it's, it's bonkers. And, you know, I think that's where we were pre-COP, and we've yep. got these slightly better targets coming out of COP. I mean, a lot of countries around the world signed up to that. But it's still you know, a long way, way off where we needed to be. So, I mean, to, to give a, a point of reference to this, 2030 targets for carbon emissions from the whole of the world that have agreed to target, so that obviously excludes Australia, were yeah. twice as much as they need to be to to, uh, to get to one and a half degrees, twice as much. And COP improved that a little bit, but it's not yeah. enough. Um, here's a question from Nick on Twitter. Have you gone down the vegan leather route, Dale? Pineapple seems pretty good. Can you shine some light onto what he actually means by that? Yeah, I mean, there are a bunch of different materials out there now that are leather replacements, which has been a kind of, a kind of, uh, what do you call it? A last frontier, perhaps, of veganism, yeah. you know? Um, I mean, whatever it is you want to eat, you can find a plant-based alternative for now. Uh, but leather things have been a little bit difficult. And yeah, I mean, pineapple leather, 
does look good. Uh, I saw just in the news this week, I think, a mushroom leather being developed in California somewhere. There's a whole bunch of alternative stuff out there now. And a lot of the uh, big uh, clothing brands and uh, particularly the luxury brands are picking this up already and running with it. So, I mean, it's out there. I still got some leather shoes or bike boots, actually, that are 10 years old and stuff like that. I would like to get a leather biker jacket, not a leather one, obviously, but I mean a biker jacket. Yeah, yeah. And until they're coming out made out of pineapple, I'm not going to, but I would like to get one again. So they're actually made out of, when it says pineapple leather, it's actually made out of pineapple. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? When you're done with it, just chop it up and put it in a salad. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, yeah. These uh, these boots are made for eating. I like that idea. Do you remember um I think you probably will. Do you remember veggie vegetarian shoes in Brighton from oh. years ago? No. What were they, they made they, of? They were I don't remember what they were made of, but they I were they called veggie shoes or something. I think so. And they were way ahead of the game. I mean, this is like 20 years ago that they were doing this. And I'm sure they've refined their products now, assuming they're still going. Yeah, I mean, funny story here, right? Because shoes and vegetarians have been an issue for as long as I can remember. So I was in Stafford in the um, late 70s, I think it was. I was a student there. And um, I had a leather bike jacket on. And I was in a pub and, and I wanted this French bread pizza thing that they had, but it had like chopped ham on top. Yep. And I asked the guy if he had a vegetarian version. And he's like, well, I can pick the ham off if you want, which obviously wasn't good enough. And then he looked at me, he said, he said, look, I'm not being funny. And he's looking at me wearing this leather bike jacket. He said, but you vegetarians, he said, often, he said, you're wearing leather shoes. I had trainers on. So I put my foot up on the bar with my trainer on. And he went, oh, fair play, mate. Just missing the fact I was wearing this great big leather jacket. <laughs> uh, made me laugh. It, it was a classic example for me of somebody that was so kind of yeah. blinkered by the stereotypical kind of... It's the of, shoe. Everybody goes to the it's shoe. All about the it's all about, about the shoes. What about your shoes, mate? Yeah, but they're not wearing... And, and he's right. He, pineapples. He used, it was like that. As a vegetarian, people looked at your shoes and said, yeah, yeah. but, or, or as a vegan or whatever. Do you know what I mean? But we've moved on from there. Now we have pineapple. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, here's a great story. You just alluded to Australia, and I was I saw this story of the Australian environmental minister says he wants to quit because he's fed up of, quote, crazy lefty activists like Greta spouting myths and nonsense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so this is the environment minister who's pissed off with Greta. I mean, has he, has he read the room yet? I don't know, but I think he should quit. Anyway, just, you know, look, look well, yeah. around at the, the record of his country. Please do quit. Well, I was going to say, I think the, the biggest thing we could extrapolate from that story is that Australia have an environmental minister. <laughs> yeah, we didn't know that, did we? <laughs> they actually have one. What does he do? Just sit in a room drinking Fosters all day? Whinging. Whinging and getting angry about leather yeah. shoes. <laughs> and lefties. Leather <laughs> shoes and lefties. What a combo. Yeah, I think so. So he's uh, he's fed up with Greta, he says. So. Yeah. Bless. Leave it at that. Bless. Uh, households with gas boilers should pay higher taxes to meet net zero pledges, say advisors. This is going to be a real tricky one, isn't it? Because you part company on the government line, don't you, on what we should be doing with boilers? You don't think they should be ripped out? You think there's another way to utilise what's already there? Yeah, I mean, that's true. Just because really the government are focused on heat pumps. And when you look at the cost of that, the implications of it slightly beyond cost as well. Uh, but even the cost alone is a very good reason not to do that. It costs 10 times as much to have a heat pump program as a green gas program, uh, for example. But, you know, the basic concept here, and again, it comes from the CCC, the Climate Change Committee, is to tax 
carbon producing fuels. And I'm all for it. You know, I think it should happen. It actually would help green gas make it more economic because it doesn't produce carbon and that's fine. But here's one thing. I just want to say this, guys at the CCC, if we're going to start taxing pollution, let's start with fucking flying, please. <laughs> that's t- that's got, like, gone off the radar, if you'll pardon the pun, isn't it? Yeah. It's almost as if nobody wants to talk about that one. I mean, I mean, flying is elective, okay? Heating your home is not. If we're going to start taxing uh, climate crisis producing uh, fuels, let's yeah. start with flying, yeah, I don't, I don't think many people could give you an intellectual argument against that point, really. Oh, but some, many, many will try. Probably the Aussie environmental minister. <laughs> Next week, be bloody Dale Vince. He's crazy, <laughs> lefty ideas. <laughs> I can just see it happening. That'd be great. Uh, here's one from Jane on Facebook. Any thoughts on how we could keep the UK's focus on environmental issues running post? COP26, most people are more interested than ever before right now. It would be a shame to lose this. And she's absolutely right, isn't she? There's a momentum, and that needs to remain. And there is that kind of – already there's that sort of drift feeling that, you know, but Boris and all of the, the various characters that pitched up there played big on this beforehand, uh, and then now it's gone. Uh, even in those few short weeks, I'm not hearing anywhere near as much. Yeah, I mean, it could happen. I mean, there's there's a lot in here to agree with the the awareness of COP in our country has never been bigger um, because we hosted the event. I'm pretty sure of that. Yeah, and the opinion polls coming out just after the event showed that you know something like seventy percent of people wanted to see more done to fight the climate crisis across all age groups, all genders, uh, and that was that was all brilliant. But no doubt, it was a post Glasgow kind of uh, sure. pop. In, in awareness and keeping that going is super important. I was having a chat today with our friends from the Express about what we're going to do next with our Green Britain campaign post COP26. Funnily enough, and uh, you know we're going to we're going to put our heads together for a, for a kickoff in the new year with some new stuff. But I think it's just super important that we move on from the conversations that have been had to. Um, to the ones we need to have, you know, about yeah. pushing on with the green gas program, taxing fossil fuels, yes. You know, one of the uh, pieces of advice from the CCC in the news today was that the government have really got to tackle animal agriculture much harder than they have. And, you know, they've been very lame about that to date. So, yeah. you know, we've got to push on with that as well. I mean, there's plenty to be done. COP27 is not far away. So, I mean, the thing sure. to keep COP in the, in the minds of everybody is, uh, well, is helped by the fact that it's an annual event, actually, and we don't tend to realise that here in Britain. I think that's true. Lots of people, when we did phone-ins on this, assumed it was like every five years or something, like the Olympics or something like that. Um, and it, it just, this is annual. How often do we hear about it? But, you know, this was probably the most high-profile one, the one we've just had. And, you know, I'd like to think that could continue in that kind of same vein in terms of the, the sort of headlines it gets, if, if for no other reason than to... So have these debates. You know, many people who are ignorant are not ignorant because they're nasty, horrible people. They just don't know. And that information is quite crucial. Yeah, agreed. I thought the biggest sto- one of the biggest stories this week, in fact, Dale, was the Shell story. Did you see this? Shell pulling out of the new oil fields off the Shetland Isles. I thought this was massive. Yeah, I did too. And I was reminded of, uh, you know, the fracking industry when our government tried for years to force fracking on the nation with incredible tax breaks to change in environment law, planning law, all that kind of stuff. But fracking failed to get lift off. And yeah. I mean, obviously, the North Sea has been plundered for a while now for fossil fuels. But this Cambo place, this has had planning permission for 20 years now, and they haven't started work on it. And so I was reminded of fracking and that this this project may 
never come to pass. The the other partners in the project are adamant that they'll find another backer, but that doesn't mean that they will. And yeah. it's an opportunity for the government to say, do you know what, guys, you've had planning permission for this for 20 years. We're going to pull the plug because, you know, it's a long time. And obviously it runs counter to our climate targets, which we're going to miss anyway, you know. This from Leanne, uh, who emailed in, how can you still keep pushing your green gas plan when you know heat pumps are the future? Dale, you've lost your way, says Leanne. Let's put Leanne right on this. Dale. Yeah, yeah, okay. Thank, thank you for that. I mean, heat pumps, what are they good for? I mean, air source heat pumps, they will, they will make heat, but it takes a lot more electricity to do that than is currently admitted to. Yep. Uh, it's something called a coefficient of uh, performance, a COP, funnily enough, a different kind of COP. And, you know, the analysis we did showed that to put a heat pump in every home in Britain is going to cost £300 billion. And in the process, we've got to throw away tens of millions of gas boilers and, you know, working kit, basically, sure. and, and, and do away with the gas grid. You know, this incredible infrastructure that we've built up, we just won't use anymore. The alternative is not to give up gas, but to change the gas we use, switch from fossil gas to green gas made from grass. And we can do that at one-tenth of the cost. We can power all of Britain's homes that way, heat them that way with £30 billion instead of £300 billion. And at the same time, we can uh, we can use land that we have to stop farming cows and sheep on, grazing, anyway, as part of the transition to fight the climate crisis, to improve our diets. We need two-thirds of all grazing land. A 10% reduction in red meat consumption is all that is going to take because most animals don't live outdoors. Um, so it fits perfectly with the direction of travel that we have to take in terms of the bigger picture. And we'll create 100,000 jobs in the rural economy, give farmers a transition away from animal farming and something when EU subsidies run out for farming, which is any yep. month now. Yep. And our government haven't proposed an alternative. And it's about rewilding and carbon sinking I mean, it's got everything, actually. Yeah. And heat pumps require us, we, we're going to need to make four times as much green electricity if we try to heat our homes with a heat pump, uh, which is which is a big task, you know. I mean, getting to 100% is going to be pretty difficult. Getting to 400%, I mean, you know, we, we'd have to be crazy to make that our national plan. Absolutely. Um, here's a story out of Africa. Uh, the UN's World Food Programme and multiple media organisations have been warning that the African island nation of Madagascar is on the brink of the world's first climate change-induced famine. But a new study says that the human-made climate crisis has little to do with the current food scarcity going on in the country. What do you make of this, Dale? Yeah, I thought it was an interesting uh, news piece, actually. They've had two years of drought. Uh, I think the levels of rain uh, haven't been lower for about 30 years. So, you know, that starts to sound familiar in terms of climate and climate change events weather-wise. Basically, the conclusion wasn't black and white. It, it could be an element of climate change, and, and maybe it's not. Maybe there are other reasons, other problems. But you know one thing for sure, the climate crisis is going to make it a fat lot worse than it is now yeah, because true. this level of rainfall will just become normal. Yeah, it's certainly not going to help it, is it? I think most people should be able to work that one out as well. Um, you mentioned food, and, and food's an area, it's interesting because there's lots of facets, obviously, to the environmental debate. You have always talked about the food side of it being absolutely key. Uh, I don't think it gets enough 
Um, I, I don't think people think of it in the same way. They think of, right, you know, not not throwing away plastic. That's a good thing. Not leaving your door open, you know, keeping your house nicely insulated, driving the correct car and all of that. Don't think about the food side. And I was just intrigued by this story of a chef who was sentenced to – they didn't go to jail, but he was one person was killed, 31 left ill, by an uncooked shepherd's pie. And ordinarily, this would be the stuff of a faulty tower sketch, but this is deadly serious. Yeah, deadly serious is right. I mean, first thing to say is that food is the cow in the room. You're right. It's the thing that people overlook, people want to overlook, don't want to come to terms with really that we have to stop eating animals. But the other thing, I mean, this is a, this is a, uh, you know, a, a difficult story in that one person died and 30 people were seriously um, made ill. But it, it reminds me of, of something fundamental when having these debates about eating animals versus eating plants, which is a carrot never killed anybody. Okay. And it doesn't matter what you do with it, how you treat it. You know, um, in this case, the mince had been kind of treated badly. It would, it hadn't been cooked properly. The guy was in a hurry. I think he did go to jail for four months, actually. And it's, you know, it's a pretty tragic story, but it, it shows the inherent risks taken when eating dead flesh. Yeah, it's a profound way to put it, Dale. Um, this one comes, final question, and it's a good one from Hugh on Twitter. Any chance of energy prices coming down soon? I want to move to you as I've just been shifted to Shell as my supplier collapsed. Uh, it isn't a mover's market right now. Now, that is true. But look, Shell, at least I've just pulled out of Cambo, so it's not the end of the world if you true. have to stay there for a little while. Um I mean, the, the forward market for energy says that this problem is going to endure until spring 2023. Um, so that's a year and a bit from now. I hope that it cools before that, uh, but we're seeing no sign of it right now. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of just to watch this space kind of thing, really. I know that the, that the market is clearly in turmoil, but there are a lot of customers going, well, why don't companies just bring the prices down? I know there's all sorts of limitations and difficulties and challenges that are government mandated but why don't you as ecotricity just go tell you what we're going to make it cheaper yeah i mean the problem is that we depend on global markets not just for the fossil fuels that still underpin our economy but for the price of them so one of the great uh, egregious factors of this crisis for me is that 50 percent of our gas comes from the north sea it's yeah. our gas you know it's britain's uh, but that went up fivefold in price this year, not because it got more expensive to extract, but because the global price of gas went up. So we pay more sure. effectively to ourselves for our own gas as a result of that. And, and that's the fundamental dependency that we have to break on fossil fuels and the pricing of fossil fuels. And it hasn't been done yet. And what the government have done is stuck a cap on retail prices and left the wholesale market to do what the hell it wants. Yeah. And, and this is what has caused, what, 20 bankruptcies, 4 yeah. million stranded customers. And the government have set aside, was it um, 1.7? £27.50, I think. £1.7 <laughs> billion pounds yeah. for the operation of Bulb, which they now own. They're now an energy company. £1.7 billion pounds just to get through the winter. And now that was a cost that they would have imposed on Bulb had they stayed in business. And they are imposing on other companies right now in the energy market. It's absolute madness. Yeah, good point. And on that point, um, we're done for another week, Dale. We'll speak oh. next week. Have a good weekend. Yeah, thanks, Ian. See you later. Cheers, Dale. That's it for this episode. Don't forget, of course, you can follow this podcast from your podcast provider so that you get each new episode automatically. Really important. Do please try and leave a review there as well. You can get in touch. Zero Carbonista at ecotricity.co.uk. And make sure you follow Dale 
on social media, twitter.com slash dalevince or facebook.com slash dalevince. And we'll speak to you in a week. Zero carbon east off.